0: Uh, We're right in the middle, guys, of a teaching series that is uh, really profound, and uh, we're excited about that. Uh, The series we're in is called Painkillers. Everybody say that with me, guys. Let's say it together. What's it called? Painkillers. Now, when you immediately hear that word, the first thing that comes to your mind is narcotics or drugs. But I want to make sure you understand this. Uh, God began to lead me and guide me and direct me to teach on the subject of painkillers. And the big idea that wrap, we wrap around this is, is this big idea. Where do people go when they're hurting? When you've got a lot of pain in your life and you're struggling and your heart's breaking and your mind's confused and your life is shattered in a million pieces you're trying to figure it all out. Where do you go to get rid of your pain? And so as we've been talking about that, the big idea is understanding that everybody has pain in their life. As a matter of fact, uh, today I I, I don't think it would be wrong to say that all of you in your life, uh, you have experienced some kind of pain in your life. Whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual or whatever it is, every one of us go through pain in our life. And if you're not in pain right now in some way, uh, chances are you will be before long. Uh, there's, we're just humans, guys. Uh, we struggle, we battle. All of us struggle and battle with different things in our life. So, so we've been talking about where do you go when you're hurting? Where do you go when you feel like the rug's been jerked out from under you? Where do you go when your heart's breaking? Where do you go when you're confused? And there's some people sitting here right now that's going, Brother Jackie, now I know why I'm here today. Because already God's speaking to me. Because I feel like my life is shattered. I feel like I'm falling apart. I feel like I can't get a handle on life. And there's people sitting here right now going, yep, that's, what I, that's where I am in my life. So we've been talking about where do you go when you hurt. And we've identified, and you may want to write some of this stuff down to begin with. It's not going to be in your notes or your outline. But we've identified that if you don't run to the right thing, you will run to the wrong thing. And what will happen in your life is the pain that you're trying to get away from, if you run to the wrong thing, your pain will get worse. And we've understood as we've studied and we've talked about this, the only real pain killer, the only real pain taker, the only real chain breaker is Jesus, amen. But we find ourselves going to the wrong stuff. We really do. We find ourselves... Uh, trying to go somewhere else and say, well, maybe that will help me. So I want you to write this down. We've talked about four already, and I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of those. The first one we talked about that people run to is isolation. When they get hurt, they just go, I'm going to stay away from everybody. I'm going to go be by myself. And we've understood that isolation is not the way we are to fix ourselves. As a matter of fact, God has built us and created us so that we can be a community of people, so that we can be together. The Bible says it's not good for a person to be alone. The Bible says that it's better for you to have somebody with you. Two are better than one because if you fall in a ditch, you won't have anybody help you out. And so what we've realized is that when we get hurt, when we're struggling, when we're in pain, a lot of times we make the decision, I just want to go be alone. And I'm going to isolate myself. And people in their pain will say, you know what? I don't want to be back at church. I don't want to be around people. And when that happens, the devil sets you up to destroy you. And when we isolate ourselves, we're doing exactly what Satan wants us to do. We get alone, and he begins to mess with our mind. He begins to tell us lies. He begins to cause us to self-destruct with depression and discouragement. The Bible says we have an enemy. He's, he's like a roaring lion and he's roaming about seeking whom he may devour. And when you're hurting and he, and he tries to get you into isolation, he does that to cut you from the herd so that he can destroy your life. So we studied that and we talked about that, that, that when we have pain, we don't need to go into isolation because the devil will set us up to destroy us. And then secondly, write this down. Uh, We talked about that when we have pain, one of the other painkillers that we run to that we shouldn't run to is inappropriate relationships. That is, uh, we get hurt by somebody and, and, and all of a sudden the pain is there and we think, man, if I can just find somebody to love me. If I could just find somebody that will care about me and then the devil will kind of put somebody in your life and and you'll run to that inappropriate relationship. And man, you, you find yourself going from one pain to another pain. You find yourself getting in a worse situation than what you were in. And I've seen that happen over and over and over again. People that were hurting that run to the wrong relationship and cause them pain. And then thirdly, we talked about an independent spirit. That when you get hurt and you're in pain, you run into an independent spirit. And that independent spirit says, I don't need anybody. You know, I don't need you to tell me what to do. I don't need any instruction. I don't need any counsel. And all of a sudden, you get prideful. And that pride begins to rise up in you. And the Bible says that uh, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so when we get an independent spirit in our pain and we begin to cop an attitude that says, I don't need y'all, then all of a sudden we got problems. And then fourthly, we talked about the problem of idolatry. That when we start hurting, if we're not careful, we'll set up an idol in our life. And the idol is not a wood carving or a stone, but it it can be a million different things. It can be our work, it can be sports, it can be pleasure, it can be whatever. And all of a sudden we realize that Jesus said that no man can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. And he said, we begin to realize that when something else gets our heart, that we've set ourselves up to commit idolatry. And what happens is we'll start loving something else other than God. And when we do that, the pain that we have becomes more intense because the idol that we set up can never fill our needs in our life. It can never take care of us spiritually. It'll never affix us. And so we've talked about those four already. But today we're going to be talking about one that I thought would be easy. I thought, man, you know what? This is such an easy subject uh, because immediately when you talk about pain, a lot of people associate their pain with painkillers. Pain immediately, your mind goes to narcotics and drugs and all of that stuff. And I thought, man, this is going to be a piece of cake. I, I can really talk about this one, but only to realize, honestly, that this is the hardest one that I had to study and, and prepare myself for. And when I thought about it, I thought, my goodness, this is a really serious subject uh, to talk about today. So, you know, I talked about it in the first service, and, and we talked about this service. So so I want you to say the word with me, everybody. What's the word we're talking about today? Intoxication. And I want you to notice that word because that word is a powerful word because a lot of times when we're hurting, we run to something to intoxicate us. Uh, we we want to we numb our pain. We want to we kind of cover it up. And we'll think, man, if I can just run to this pill or this drink, uh, then, you know, when I am drown my sorrows or I'll cover the pain or whatever it may be. And, and a lot of people run to this painkiller, whether it be alcohol or narcotics. They, they try to drown their sorrow. They try to numb their pain. They try to run from reality. And I want to make sure that you understand this. Are y'all listening? Say Amen. I want to make sure that I kind of set this up before we dive in today, and I want you to understand this. Please, please, please understand uh, today that I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not trying to make anybody just feel terrible about yourself. Uh, That's not my bag. That's not what I'm here to do. Uh, People are here today in this auditorium, people that are listening by radio, people that are watching online, and people at the River Campus. Uh, There's a lot of you here today that are on prescription medicine, and I get that. I want you to understand that there's a lot of you that have pain in your life, whether it be physical pain or or some other kind of pain, that you went to the doctor and they have prescribed a, a prescription for you. And I know that there's a lot of people that do that. I want you to understand I'm not here to condemn that today. That's not my bag. That's not what I do. When you are prescribed by a physician a medicine, uh, that will help you with your pain, uh, that is absolutely perfectly legal. Uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Where the problem comes in, there is what we call prescribed medicine uh, that people take by prescription. And they, the doctor gives it to them, and, right or wrong, good or bad, uh, the doctor gives it to them and that helps regulate the pain that they may have in their body or in their life and there's a lot of people that depend on that and I want you to understand that that I'm not here to bash that in any way, shape, form or fashion. So, so those of you that struggle with that or have that pain, uh, you know, you're know, you under a doctor's care and you've got prescriptions and, and etc and you're under that regulatory uh, prescription that the doctor says you do, where it becomes a problem is not with prescription regulation, but with unprescribed abuse. That is, you take the medicine uh, in an abusive way. And I learned this week as I begin to study that, <clears throat> that, you know, when you have a medicine and you're taking it under doctor's orders, you're, you're certainly doing it the way that it should be done. But if you do it in an unregulated way, it becomes substance abuse. And when you take your medicine that's been prescribed to you and you give it to somebody else that that is not prescribed for that is illegal. You can't do that. And, And then if you sell your prescriptions, that's illegal. So we realize then that there's a lot of people in today's world that struggle with a lot of things in their life. And I think that all of us would agree that we have an epidemic of intoxication today. Can I get an amen? And there are a lot of you that are here today and listening today, uh, you've been affected by negatively by the results of intoxication. Your, your family members, the people that you love, there's a lot of you. Uh, story after story could happen today by people standing up in this auditorium going, man, my son's life's been destroyed by substance abuse. Uh, my daughter's life has been destroyed by... My life has been destroyed by substance abuse. And there's a lot of you that could stand and say, you know what, I, I got a testimony with that. Uh, it, it negatively affected my life. But I believe that we ought to start today not by what's on the outline, but I want you to listen. Are you listening? Say amen. We need to ask ourselves the question, what is intoxication? What is that? Now, it's not on the outline, but you may well write this down. Because when you begin to study it, you begin to realize that the word intoxication has a lot of definitions to it. And and when I begin to study it, I begin to look there together and and understand that intoxication has a lot of uh, meanings that's attached to it. And so one of the meanings that was attached to it was the psychological state uh, that's produced by a poison or other toxic substance. As a matter of fact, when you look at the word itself, intoxication when I use the term toxic what comes to your mind poison so when we think about having intoxication to our life then we have to associate the word toxic to the word poison and definitions talk about that the other definition is drunkenness or to alter yourself Now, there's a lot of people, a lot of you people are more street smart than I am. Denise is more street smart than I am. The fact of the matter is that there are people that say, oh, I'm going to go get high. That's that's what people say. Or some other people would say, well, you know what, I'm just going to get stoned. Or somebody would say, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm taking a trip. For you hippie people that was in the 60s, you just got on a magic carpet ride. That's what happened to y'all. You know, you just was out there doing that. But the fact of the matter is is intoxication is a term that we use and professionals use that talks about poisoning the poisoning of oneself to numb the pain. Oh, when you hear the word DUI, the word DUI, if you're pulled over and the policeman gives you a ticket, it says, "Well, you're DUI." What does that mean? It means that you're driving under the influence. Uh, they, they stop you and they say, walk a line. You can't walk the line. Or something causes them to pull you over because there's something that has altered your normal reactions to, uh, to how you would operate. So when you think about that, you begin to realize that Paul in the book of Ephesians says, do not be under the influence of, of alcohol, but, but rather be filled with the Spirit. Uh, That is, he gives a comparison that says uh, we need to know that when you have a substance in you that's either alcohol or a drug, it alters who you are. It, it, uh, It begins to affect you. And so the first thing I want us to look at today is what we call the sources of intoxication. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a a drug counselor or any of that stuff, and I'm certainly not uh, street smart on a lot of this. But it's not a secret. Many people who are hurting run to intoxication. And the reason they run to it is to try to get rid of their pain, only to realize their pain gets worse. And I could spend this whole hour today with all of you talking about statistics that's been uncovered uh, from our society about people's lives that have been wrecked and ruined uh, because of intoxication. Uh, we could spend this whole hour, I could give you statistic after statistic after statistic uh, that when you heard it, you would go, Brother Jack, you're right. In our, in our country today, uh, we've got a problem with substance abuse. Uh, And and I could talk to you about damages uh, that substance abuse causes. I could talk to you about deaths. Uh, that substance abuse causes the devastating effect of mind altering intoxication people abuse substances such as drugs and alcohol and even tobacco for complicated reasons but it is a clear it's clear that our society pays a significant cost and the toll for this abuse can be seen are you listening in our hospitals in our emergency departments and in the morgues across america today drugs are killing people. Drugs are killing people. Drugs and alcohol is destroying people's lives. And when I look at that, abuse substance produces some form of intoxication that alters our judgment and our perception and our attention and our physical control. Uh, When you think about it, when you look at what is intoxication and substance abuse, you may want to remember this. Tobacco's Uh, considered to be a substance abuse. Uh, Now, I know a lot of you smoke, a lot of you dip, a lot of you chew. But the fact of the matter is it has a toxic to it. And, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, they were talking about, man, I need to quit this. And I said, well, it's wrote all of the package. It will kill you. (laughs) You know, you you don't have to be a rocket scientist. I mean, they've done the research for you. Uh, tobacco use will kill you. It will affect you. It will negatively cause problems in your life. And then alcohol. Many people have a drink as a pick-me-up, uh, you know, that, and what we've studied and learned about this is alcohol depresses the brain. Alcohol lessens your inhibitions and slurs your speech and decreases your muscle control and coordination, and, and, and it leads to alcoholism. Nobody that's, a, that's an alcoholic says to themselves when they take the first drink, I'm going to be an alcoholic. It starts with one drink, and I think you can amen that. Uh, When you look at alcoholism, it's a big deal in our country today, and and we we struggle with that. And then there's marijuana known as grass, pot, weed, whatever you call it, doobies or whatever. The fact of the matter is marijuana is the big deal. Uh, you've got cocaine use that's huge in America today. you can known as crack or many other street names for it. Methamphetamines that uh, that people deal with. You've got all that, and a lot of you are much smarter than me on all that. You've got club drugs like ecstasy and GHB and LSD and all the stuff. And, and man, we're in de- we're, we've got problems with that stuff. And it's running rampant in our country today. And when we think about that, we realize that, that it's a big deal today. Now, people would say, Brother Jackie, you know what? Uh, the Bible don't have a lot to say about drugs. Well, it really does. The Bible has something to say about it. And by the way, just so y'all will know, um, where my, I stand, and I say this absolutely boldly and clearly, I, I don't, I'm not condemning folks that, that have the substance abuse problem because it is a problem. But I do want you to know uh, that Denise and I are totally, we, 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 don't, we don't drink alcohol. Uh, we, we just don't. We don't believe it's a good thing. We don't think Christians ought to drink. Uh, We don't think that it's okay to do that. Can you imagine, guys, uh, me being a pastor and me saying, oh, it's okay to drink socially, you know, just get your buzz going on, have a little light drink every now and then, and it's cool with me. Can I tell you this? I'm not going to tell our teenagers and our college kids that it's okay for them to do that. I'm not going to be the pastor that says, hey, you know what, we'll give you a pass on that because we are toe We don't do that. We don't believe that it's a good thing, y'all. So, Denise and I don't, can you imagine walking in a restaurant? And here you got you got a friend, and you're gonna bring them up and introduce them to your preacher. Me and Denise kind of chilling out there at that restaurant. You walk over to our table, and right there on my side of the table is, is a Miller Lite. Man, I'm just kind of chilling out, drinking on Friday night. And you're gonna bring your friend over and say, Oh, this is my preacher. And Denise just got a little buzz going on because she's a wine drinker and, and she's just chilling out. She's had a rough week, man. She's gonna let her hair down. You bring your friend to the table, you go going something to your preacher and his wife, and I'm drinking a Miller White, and Denise is buzzed up on wine. Can you imagine that? <laughs> so I want you to know that we're just not okay with that. Now, some of you probably social drink, and I, you know, I'm not bashing you about it, but I'm going to tell you this. It may not affect you negatively, but it may affect your kids or grandkids. And everybody that struggles with alcoholism took their first drink. And they never said, oh, I'm going to be an alcoholic. They, they never said that. Uh, people that have substance abuse problems, when they smoked their first joint, never said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have a problem with drugs. So when we look at the Bible, does the Bible have something to say about it? Now, in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, I believe it's right, we find that John on the Isle of Patmos writing about the final judgment... Of uh, those that are going to be condemned to the lake of fire. And he uses a word in Revelation 21. It's not on the screen. You can write it down. He uses the word sorcery. And in the Revelation 21 and also in the book of Galatians chapter 5, he gives a list, and he uses the word sorcery. Now, the word sorcery is where we get the word pharmacy. It comes from the Greek word pharmakia, and the Bible says those that are involved in sorcery or pharmakia is going to have negative things in their life. So the Bible doesn't say, oh, don't smoke pot. doesn't say, well, you know what, don't do GHB or LSD or cocaine. But what it does do is it puts it in the category of sorcery, which is in the category of witchcraft, which has an effect on altering your mind, which means that this sorcery is a negative thing in your life and you don't need to do it. So the Bible kind of puts it in a perspective that says when you look at the term drugs, it's in the term pharmacia, which we get the word pharmacy, which we adapt drugs from that. So we realize then that the Bible does have something to say about it. So, when we look at the sources of intoxication, the list goes forever and ever and ever. There's a lot of people that do a lot of things to get high. There's people that shoot up. There's people that snort. There's people that smoke. There's people that swallow. There's people that drink. There's people that do all kinds of things. People that, man, they'll listen. We're living in a world today that people will go to the extreme to use anything to get intoxicated. Why? because they want their minds altered. They want to get away from pain. I don't like the pain. So when we think about intoxication as a painkiller, one of the things that I want to make sure you understand, according to the word of God, is the sting of intoxication. Now when you open your Bible to the book of Proverbs, you begin to realize that Solomon is writing to the book of Proverbs and he's trying to instruct us of some very important things. Now, in the book of Proverbs, he, he primarily focuses on drinking, uh, alcohol. And when we studied there, the Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And he's trying to instruct his son on how to be a wise man. And not only in Proverbs 23, but all through the Bible, there's instruction on staying away from alcohol, that it will affect you. Now, people will say, now, Brother Jackie, wait a minute. Jesus drank wine. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you really think he was the first bartender? When you look at Jesus drinking wine, it was non-fermented grape juice. When you study the Hebrew and the Greek of that, you begin to realize that in your Bible there are three words that describe wine. Two of those words describe it as fermented wine. One of those words describe it as unfermented wine, meaning that it was unfermented. So we realized then that when Jesus served the wine at the wedding, it was not a fermented wine. And if you want more information on that, I would encourage you to order the teaching that I've done and the teaching, and you want to write it down, should Christians drink alcohol? And you can order that right out front. And you can get that and understand the study of that. But when we at it together, Solomon is instructing us on the sting of intoxication. And I want to make sure you understand uh, that I believe when you expose yourself to mind-altering drugs or alcohol, that there are many stings to it. I, I believe that. Now, before I read this scripture, I want you to write down some of the stings that, that I believe is connected to substance abuse, intoxication. Are you ready? Write the first one down. I believe that there is a sting of your conscience. I believe that when you drink alcohol or you do drugs for the very first time, that your conscience says you shouldn't have done that. I believe it stings you. I believe that that when you know that you shouldn't do something, that God will convict you of that through your conscience. And I believe that anybody that's honest with himself would say, you know what? When I took the first drink or did the first drug, it bothered me. And I believe there's a sting of the conscience, but not only do I believe there's a sting of the conscience, I want you to write this down. I believe there's a sting of self worth. That that when you do that, there's a part of you that says, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I lowered my standard. I can't believe that I did that. And I believe there's a sting of self-worth. And then the third thing, and write it down, I believe there's a sting of disappointment. I believe that when you take the first drink or you do the first drug, you're disappointed with you. I believe that you say things like, gosh, I I can't believe I stepped over that line. And I believe there's a sting of failure. I believe that deep down inside of us, when we do substance abuse, when there's intoxication that happens, I believe that we feel like we failed. And if you will notice in Psalms 23, looking right there in the word of God in verse number 29, you will see the writer saying these words. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contention? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eye? Tell me the answer, everybody. Say it in the next verse. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not upon the wine when it's red, when it gives color in the cup, when it moves itself All right, You know what that means? It means you shouldn't bother it when it moves. You know what when it moves means? It's fermented. For those of you that make wine, you know that. (laughs) That when wine moves, it's it's getting alcohol in it. And the Bible says, don't even look at it. He's telling his son, don't even look at it, much less take it or drink it. Don't even do that. And he says, when it's said and done, if you do that, it's going to bite you like a serpent and it's going to sting you like an adder. Now think about this for a minute. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Are y'all all right? Are y'all okay? Say amen. amen. Say, I love you, Brother Jackie. I'm not mad at you. All right, And here it is. I right, listen to me. Go back to verse 29. Who has woe and who has sorrow? You know what that is? That's that's an emotional sting. I mean, you know, you, you get in Tuske, you start crying. You start, you know, you feel bad. At least that's what Biggin told me a while ago, and I'm thinking, you know, start crying in your beer. You know, you got woe, you got sorrow, and then you got contentions. The Bible says, who has contentions? You know what that means, y'all? That means, l- listen to me. Are y'all listening to me say amen? It means that you have trouble socially. You ever notice that, that when somebody gets, I mean, you take a little guy that gets drunk, he's going to whoop everybody in the bar. Yeah. You know, he's going to be arguing. I, have you ever heard you can't argue with the drunk, y'all? Yeah. How many of y'all believe that's true? I mean, you try to argue with a drunk man, they're just going to they, they cause problems. They're just going to say things. They're just going to keep on. You're going, oh my gosh, this guy's, just, it's going to be social problems. But then wounds, redness of eyes, you know, he's got physical problems. You know, you just, you, you got an issue physically. And then the sting of pause, poison, man, it stings you. And you're going, good night. And what that means is this intoxication affects you. Write it down emotionally, physically, spiritually, and socially. In other words, when you get intoxicated, you let something begin to alter you. It's going to affect you in a lot of ways. And there's going to be a sting to that. And that sting is going to bring you problems. But let's talk about not only the source and the sting of it, but what about the seeing of intoxication? Now, now this is uh, profound to me, that when you read your Bible, it says your eyes will see strange women. I didn't write it. <coughs> okay, I didn't write it. You know, your eyes will start seeing strange women. They, uh, they, 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 Biggin told me the more you drink, the prettier they look, man. You know, you just, you just go, oh, my God, <coughs> you know. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you start seeing stuff, and what that does, it says it will perverse your heart. So watch this, y'all. Watch this. Are y'all with me? I'm going to be dirt honest. You start getting intoxicated, whether it's drugs or alcohol, man, and I'm going to tell you, it'll start messing with with how you see things. And I'm going to tell you what'll happen to you. It will filter itself into your heart. And what happened is, watch this, your eye gate will start affecting your heart and what your eye gate produces in a lustful way will start affecting your heart to lust. Watch this. You'll be going home with them. You'll be be going home with them. And you'll start lusting after after people or women or men or whatever and, and how many people, lives have been destroyed because they 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 got intoxicated and they cheated on their wife or cheated on their husband and they said man I didn't you know I didn't I I, I don't know how it happened and they start in this process and that process begins to destroy their families and their lives. And all of a sudden, it's because of this problem. And really and truly, why did you go there to start with? Well, I just want to get away from the pain. I just want to find something better. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation that you expose yourself to drugs and alcohol. Watch this, write it down, and you drop your guard. You drop your guard. And you will find yourself saying things and doing things that normally you wouldn't do, normally you wouldn't say. And you'll find that your eyes will start seeing strange things and it'll affect you in a negative way. Not only do you start seeing things in intoxication, but you'll get sick. Now, now, you, you know that. You know that's going to affect you physically. And and there's a lot of people that get involved in substance abuse. And and there's people that here, I could call them, I could say right now, I could say, okay, all you guys that's been involved in this should come on the stage and amen behind me. And there would be a lot of you that would say, I can come up and amen to you. Because they know there's no good, y'all. And they know that, that this intoxication will make them sick. Uh, you know, you get a person that, that gets drunk, that gets intoxicated. Start off one drink, and they, they go over the line, they get intoxicated, they're going to get sick. And you take a person that gets hooked up in substance abuse, and they're begin to begin to get dependent upon that, and they're going to come off of that, they get sick because it's, it's poisoned them. And their body gets used to the poison. And when you take the poison away from them, that, that their body becomes to become sick because it's taken away. And the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 24, you'll be like one that lies down in the midst of the sea. And you'll be like one that lie, that, that, that's lying upon the top of a mask. You know what that means? You just get sick. And, and how many of y'all have ever been seasick? You go out deep sea fish, you get seasick, you're just sick. Well, you know what it means is when you get intoxicated, you lose the capacity to be able to handle your physical and mental functions to the place that if you continue to do substance abuse, it's going to make you sick. And and not only does it mean that it'll make you sick, uh, nauseated, but you'll get sick physically. And there's a lot of people that are running to this stuff to try to fix their pain, only to realize that what they run to causes them more pain than what they had. Now they're sick. And they struggle with that, and they battle with that. So, So not only is there a sting of intoxication and the seeing problem and the sickness of it, But I'm going to tell you something else. There's a stronghold of it. There's a stronghold of it. And I want you to hear me. See, when you you open yourself up, I believe that seriously, that it's, uh, it's devilish and it's satanic. I believe it has destroyed many people's lives and many people's families. And I believe the devil gets pleasure in that. But what will happen is when you begin to expose yourself to this, you open the door to satanic strongholds. Now listen to Pastor, because I believe this is where it gets spiritual. See, there are some clinical issues that people deal with with intoxication. I get all that. But I'm going to tell you, I believe there are spiritual issues to it too. And notice what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, 35. It says, they will say they've stricken me, and you will say I was not sick, and they've beaten me, and I didn't even feel it. But watch this. When I wake up, somebody tell me, I'll seek it again. You ever notice that stronghold? That you, you, you think, man, this was awful. This was terrible. I was struggling. I was in pain. And I found myself uh, moving to that to try to fix my pain. And man, I, I, it caused all kind of problems in my life. But notice the writer says they'll go back and do it again. They'll go back and do it again. You know what that is? That's a stronghold. And the devil, what the devil wants to do in this painkiller of intoxication, he wants to set up a stronghold in your life. And that stronghold that he sets up is, begins to work on you to the place that even though you don't like it and you know you shouldn't do it, that stronghold that's established in your life, you'll find yourself going right back and it again. And you will say, I don't want to do this. And the Bible tells us that this satanic stronghold will cause them to seek it again. Now, guys, again, I could say to people all over this, come up here and stand on the stage with me and tell me if that's not the truth. And they will say yes. They will say, you know what? I tried to beat it. I don't like it. I don't like me when I'm doing it. But I find myself... Repeating it, going right back to it. And when the devil sets up a stronghold in your life, that is a satanic movement of Satan to destroy you. And when a stronghold gets set up in our life, what that means is watch this, are you listening to me? Amen. We can't break it by ourselves, we can't fix it by ourselves. We can't get free from the chains that gets us by ourselves. We just can't do it. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves, watch this, just spiraling down further and further and further. And I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that battle it. And they go, I just need to get rid of my pain. Why did you drink? Well, I'm just trying to get rid of the pain. Well, why are you doing drugs? Well, I'm just trying to get rid of the pain. I, wanted, I just got to get out of this mess. I just got to, you know, and all of a sudden they find themselves, rather than getting out of pain, they get deeper in pain. And, and I think all of us would agree it would be better if we didn't even drink it would be better if we didn't even drug but you can't fix you by yourself you can't handle listen to pastor you can't handle life alone Uh, you can you can mask it camouflage it but you can't fix you by yourself so so I'm gonna give you two bottom lines today and that is, you need a Savior. And we need a Savior that liberates us from intoxication. And, and I believe this with all of my heart that whom the Son sets free, he's free indeed. Can I get an amen? amen? I believe that Jesus can break the chains uh, that, that holds us. Now I want you to listen to me. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only chain breaker. Amen. I don't believe that, that anybody or anything else is better than Jesus to set you free. Amen. I don't believe that there's anything or anybody better than Christ that can walk into your life and set the captive free. I believe he can do it immediately. Amen. I believe that. Can I get an amen? amen? I believe that Jesus is the end. but I want you to listen to me. Look at me. Don't mean your battle is gonna be over. Because even though Jesus set you free, you still are living in this human body. And you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be dirt honest with you. It's a fight every blame day. Can I give an amen? It is a battle every day of our life. And even though Jesus can set you free, and he does, it's still a fight it's still a fight and I tell you we got people in this church that I am so proud of that Jesus has come into their life and set them free but they are fighting a fight they're fighting a battle every single day of their life and it's tough and it's hard but I believe first of all you got to have a savior that will liberate you from intoxication I believe that he can do that without a shadow of a doubt but I believe there's a second thing you got to do. you got to set your mind against intoxication. I believe that the battle that we fight for most of us is right here in our mind. I believe the devil comes in and attacks us right here. Do y'all believe that? Say me. I believe that we fight a war right here. And listen to me, guys. Look at me and listen to me. The Bible says that we are not to be conformed to the world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Bible says that you are to set your affection on things above and not things below. I'm not saying that's easy. But the Bible says that you got to do that. When Paul speaks to us and he says, hey, listen, you got to put on the whole armor of God every day, the very first thing he starts with is the helmet of salvation. He says that you've got to get up every day of your life and you've got to realize that you've got a Jesus that has set you free. But man, you've got to set your mind on him and you've got to set your mind on spiritual truths and you've got to set your mind on biblical principles and you've got to discipline yourself every day of your life that you're not going to let the devil have a a victory over your mind. And you're able to to say to God, Lord, you know what? I know that you've set me free. But watch this. Help protect my mind today. Help me not to drop my guard mentally and spiritually. Help me, Lord, to be able to wake up every day of my life before I put shoes on my feet. Help me to put a helmet on my head because I've got an enemy that's going to meet me when I open my eyes. He's going to start messing with my mind. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, you've got to realize that you've got a Savior that will liberate you, but you've also got to take your part. In that liberation, you've got to set your mind against intoxication. You've got to say to God, God, I need your help. Lord, I've got to to gird up my mind, the loins of my mind, I've got I've to saturate myself with spiritual truth so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, I can lift up a standard against him. When, when the devil starts telling me lies, I can tell him the truth. When the devil starts attacking my mind, starts telling me that I need something that I don't need, that God, you can remind me that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And God, rather than the devil convincing me that I need drugs or alcohol, I can convince myself that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And when the devil comes in to fight against me, I can stand up on my spiritual feet and I can say to him, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper today, devil, because I know that God is for me and not against me. And I believe that there's people right here today that battle every day of your life. And I'm gonna tell you, every day of your life, you will battle. But every day that you submit your life and your mind to Jesus, you'll get a victory that day. And you just need to count up your days of victory because I wanna give you some good news today. There is a day when the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And there'll be a day when our battle will be over. Can I get an amen? There'll be a day when we won't have to fight against it no more because we shall see him as he really is and we'll get a body and a mind just like his. But until that time, let's fight the good fight. Let's stand on the truth. Let's believe the word of God. Let's honor him with our lives. But if you're trying to fight your pain, with the wrong painkiller, it's only going to get worse. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do today. I want you to listen to me. You may be here and you never asked Jesus in your heart. You may be here and you've never made that commitment to him in your heart right here. And God's dealing with you. In just a moment, I'm going to invite men to come and stand right down here. And they're here for a reason. They're here so that when you come forward and you say to God, God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know how to get saved. These guys will help you with that. They'll help you pray and connect with God and you can walk out of here a different person than you walked in. Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. These guys will help you with that. You may be here and you've been looking for a church home. And you say to yourself, God, I believe this is where you want me to be a member. Well, these guys are here to help you with that decision. If you want to be a member of our church, you walk down this aisle, tell one of these guys, I want to be a member here at East West Westside. They'll help you with that. But are you listening? There's another piece of the invitation. and That is this. You may be one of those people that struggles with drugs or alcohol. And you may battle that. And you may struggle with that all the time. Maybe today you ought to come and ask God to help you. Maybe today you need to take that that mask off and come to an altar and go, God, you know what? I'm battling this and I need some help. Now, I need to get rid of this in my life. And you can come to the altar, pray about that. But listen to pastor. Those of you that's in here, I know what you're thinking. I'm not going down there. Because everybody will think I'm a drug addict. Or everybody think I'm an alcoholic. Well, if you knew, you're probably sitting by one of them that's been, been saved from that. We don't judge people like that. We don't, we don't condemn people. That's not our job. We don't look down on people. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a way out so nobody will know it's you. Some of you in here probably got a daughter that's struggling with drugs and alcohol. Some of you in here probably got a son that drugs and alcohol is destroying their life. Or you've got a loved one that drugs and alcohol is destroying their life. Or you've got a friend that drugs and alcohols is destroying their lives. Why don't you come today and pray for them? Why don't you come to this altar and say, God, I want you to set my daughter free. I want you to set my son free. I want you to set my friend free. The reason I say that is because nobody knows if it's you or them. So nobody can pick you out and say, oh, you came because of you. No, you may come for a totally different reason. But today is a day that you can come up and you can pray, and you can ask God to help you or help your friend or your your child. So when we're going to stand together and our ministers are going to come, this is your time to come. If you need to come and pray with one of them, they'll pray with you. But if you just need to come to an altar, bow your knee and pray, you come on right now. And we're just going to sing together, Brother Randy. Y'all make your way here. Let's take this moment pray together and ask God to help us with that. Y'all, come on, let's do it right now. Let's do it, everybody.